With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your successful fundraising, and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. This year, he is celebrating 25 years in the nonprofit sector and the 10-year anniversary of his firm, TedHart.com. His books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, here's Ted. And good afternoon. This is Ted Hart, and you are joining me here on The Nonprofit Coach. We've got a great show for you today. It is Tuesday, October 5th, and I'm here uh, with you in the nation's capital. And as always, we start with page one. start off with some news reported by the Association for Healthcare Philanthropy. As we're all aware, the economy is not quite where we would like it to be for fundraising, uh, and uh, even more so, it seems, for U.S. hospitals. Uh, donations have plunged 11%, and this is the first drop since 2002. But I did make note of the fact that back in 2002, the fundraising drop for hospitals was 31%, and that was a much deeper recession. So I think hospitals uh, should take a, a little bit of solace in the fact that everyone's getting uh, hit in their fundraising, and certainly having your fundraising go down is never good news. Uh, but 11% versus 31% certainly uh, is a much better number. As always, you can uh, join me on the radio uh, with all our radio links today at tedhartradio.com. Just click on the radio links, and uh, all the information that I'll be sharing with you on page one is there. Get prepared for page two today. Uh, you can call in and ask questions of our page two expert at 347-324-3080. You can join us in the chat room, or you can email me if you're shy. You can send your questions to tedhart at tedhart.com. My page two expert today is Bruce Birch. Uh, He is a guerrilla marketer. We're going to find out more about that. He is an expert in cause-related marketing. So get your questions ready. Uh, We'll be uh, uh, joined by Mr. Birch 
on page two. Back here to page one, <clears throat> we've got a, uh, a little bit of a, uh, some information from YouTube, always trying to provide you information on what works and what doesn't work. And one of the things that they have found if you're putting videos up on YouTube and using it for your campaigns is that call to action overlays do drive more traffic uh, to uh, off YouTube website pages. So when you go to uh, YouTube, all you have to do is first run a campaign to promote your video on YouTube, and then go to Video Details. Uh, on that page under My Videos, you'll be able to fill out information on the section marked Call to Action Overlay. This is very important information. Of course, all of this is available to you over in the radio links at Ted Hart Radio. Com. Next here on page one uh, is uh, uh, information about uh, where is the happiest country in the world, uh, the highest levels of uh, subjective well-being. Well, as it turns out, it's not in the United States. It's not even in North America. It's in Africa. Nigeria is uh, uh, considered to be the happiest country, uh, followed by Mexico, Venezuela, El Salvador, and Puerto Rico. If you're interested in these uh, 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 measurements of this sort, this comes to us from the Cross-Cultural Sourcebook. Uh, you can read all about that over in the radio links. And this is put together uh, from... Uh, the University of Michigan's World Values Survey. Uh, so over in the radio links at tedhartradio.com, you will be able to read all about that. Now I've got a special uh, friend who's going to join me uh, today for an announcement that we have uh, for listeners of uh, the uh, nonprofit coach. Uh, Mark Sutton is here uh, with us. Uh, Mark, you on the line here uh, with the nonprofit coach? Hello, Mark. Well, maybe I pushed the the, the wrong wrong button there, and, uh, and Mark's not Hi, there. Ted. Mark, are you with? Yeah, Mark, you're there. Hi, Ted. I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, now I can hear okay. you. That's great. Yeah, you're here with us on the uh, the nonprofit coach. I uh, wanted to uh, give you an opportunity to uh, share some good news. I understand uh, that uh, we've made arrangements uh, for me to join you uh, at uh, a special event in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina on October 29th. Can you tell us all about this and, and how we're putting this together? Well, I'm not sure that, uh, that we can uh, hear Mark here. We'll see if he comes back. I'll share uh, what I have for you here. And if uh, Mark can uh, uh, jump in and, and, uh, and join us. Uh, uh, Mark, you here? Ted, I'm here. Can you hear me okay? Uh, it seems a bit scratchy. Not sure what line you're on, but uh, we can hear you here on the Nonprofit Coach. Mark Sutton is here with us from Artez Interactive. Go ahead, Mark. Ted, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, we are going to be doing a special session uh, that you are going to be part of, which is why we, we thought it was a good idea to announce it here on your radio show in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, it's going to be coming up on October 29th, and it's going to, it's going to be a, a practical strategy session where we are going to be looking into online fundraising programs, um, and part of the program is going to be uh, you, Ted, talking about the, the strategy behind online programs and what drives those. And then I'll be talking about uh, the Artez platform and showing some case studies and examples of what various organizations are doing um, across a whole variety of online fundraising programs. Uh, we are very fortunate to be hosted 
in North Carolina and Charlotte by the United Way. Um, and we are opening this up as uh, an invitation only. Uh, it's going to be limited space available. It's going to be a very intimate setting with lots of chances to uh, kind of get hands-on and ask questions. And wanted to, uh, Ted, first and foremost, thank you for, for joining us with this, but also invite your audience uh, if they would like to participate to do so. Well, that's, uh, that's terrific. Uh, first of all, uh, great to be hosted by the United Way of Central Carolinas, so I'm uh, pleased to be there with you, uh, uh, with Artez Interactive. Uh, now, folks, there's a couple questions that Artez has for you. Uh, they would like you to email them, what are you currently doing with online fundraising? And question number two is, what you are hoping the seminar will do for you. Now, don't worry about those questions, because all you have to do is go over uh, to the radio links at tedhartradio.com. We have a special highlighted section there about the invitation-only details uh, for the Ted Hart Lecture at the Artez Seminar in Charlotte, North Carolina on October 29th. It's really kind of cool. All you have to do is click on that link. It's going to launch your email service for you, and it's going to pre-populate it with those questions right in your email. And so all you have to do is answer those and press send. Uh, and we we'll already have Mark's email address in there for you uh, and everything. So it works really well uh, with the Microsoft Outlook. Just click right on there. Or if you want, you can just... Uh, uh, follow the uh, information right there in the radio links to email Mark uh, directly. So, Mark, again, this is going to be uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm going to be joining you. Uh, it goes, uh, I think it's uh, 9 to noon, and then uh, there's an afternoon session as well? That's right. There are going to be two sessions, and the sessions will be broken up with you know, kind of the strategy discussion um, as part of it, and then also the more practical, let's take a look at, you know, how the tools are, how they work, how they're configured, some case studies in terms of what individuals are doing. So it, it, it's, uh, it'll be a very, um, you know, kind of short, concise uh, several hours where we anticipate that people will, will learn a lot and get a chance to ask a lot of questions. It will be a very intimate setting. Again, it's limited numbers, so you'll get a chance to uh, ask lots of questions and really dig in. Well, I, this is a, a, a nice opportunity. Charlotte is a, is a great uh, community down there. Uh, and, uh, of course, Artez Interactive is uh, one of those services that really are accentuating the people-to-people -people fundraising strategy that we talk so much about here on the Nonprofit Coach. So I'm really pleased to have this opportunity uh, to be at the Artez Seminar. I'm glad all the details worked out. Again, for all of our listeners, just go to tedhartradio.com. You can just click on the radio links for today. We've got everything all set up for you there, and all you've got to do is uh, email Mark. Mark Sutton, uh, and uh, answer a couple questions, and you can uh, get yourself an invitation only for this uh, very important seminar uh, down uh, at the uh, United Way of uh, the Central Carolinas. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, here on page one and sharing uh, this uh, really wonderful opportunity for people to join us in Charlotte. Thanks, Ted, and thanks to all of you listening. We hope to see you there. 
Terrific. See you in Charlotte. Next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach is, uh, just in case you've been wondering, are your donors too old for social media? Uh, well, not a chance, according to Social Media Today. Uh, research just out uh, from the Pew Internet and American Life Project uh, helps us take a look at that 50 and over crowd, which, of course, is so important uh, for fundraising. Previously viewed as laggers, those over 50 are now one of the fastest-growing segments uh, in social media adoption. In the last year, social networking among 50-plus Internet users has nearly doubled from 25% to 47%. Of course, this is a very important fundraising cohort that we really uh, watch here on, uh, on, the, uh, on the nonprofit coach. Uh, so and that's compared to an increase uh, of only 10% of those 18 to 29. Of course, they've already been online in very big numbers, and they have now reached 86% of that age group, uh, but let's uh, go back and focus there on the over 50 group. Now, this group is very important and influential in fundraising, of course, and 73% uh, responded to people often come to me for advice so when they were asked that question, but they're not nearly amassing friends and connections, which really important uh, for charitable organizations engaged in social media is that this cohort, these over 50 are communicating regularly using social media. They are also more face-to-face -face contact and use smartphones more than boomers uh, or uh, generation, uh, other generations. Um, so it's very, very important that you go and take a look at this research. If you're reaching out to people over 50, social media definitely needs to be part of your PR plans. You can see the charts and read the information from social media today based on Pew Internet American Life uh, project called Older Adults and Social Media. That's over there in the radio links at tedhartradio.com and uh, you can just click on uh, the radio links uh, as well. Uh, so don't forget we're over in uh, the chat room uh, today getting ready for uh, page two uh, information so you can uh, join us uh, uh, in the chat room. Also, you'll be able to call in and ask a question of our expert today at 347-324-3080. Okay, up here next on uh, the Nonprofit Coach page one uh, is uh, the amazing uh, research always coming out from Penelope Burke, the president of Cygnus Applied Research uh, and acclaimed author of Donor-Centered Fundraising. Well, she's got a new research, and we've talked about different aspects of this, where she uh, did research to 15,000 donors across North America, including 7,000 uh, in uh, Canada uh, alone. And some of the things that she's learned are very very important, particularly in this economy, which she's uh, got a new research project out uh, called the Cygnus Donor Survey, where philanthropy is headed in 2010. You can download a copy uh, or get, uh, order a copy of that, of the full research uh, on the radio links uh, today at tedhartradio.com. But some of the things I want to share with you today, the research provides clues into how you can communicate with donors. Because even in a down economy, uh, people in this survey did indicate that 66% uh, of them said that they could 
be inspired to give more than they gave last year. But what are they specifically looking for? Well, Penelope Burke is giving you uh, some insight into that. And what Penelope has found is that we need to start providing more measurable results on our gifts. Seventy-six percent of this survey reported that they, deci that they decided uh, to shift their giving towards nonprofits who provided more information about measurable results. They're also, at the same time, very, very sensitive right now to being over-solicited. 68% said that they would stop giving or reduce their giving uh, if they felt that they were being over-solicited, which means you've really got to be very targeted in your approach. You've got to get that messaging right. Um, so one of the suggestions that Penelope uh, has is to communicate upfront how money will be spent. Uh, this was important among all respondents, but particularly the younger group. 58% uh, of those under the age of 35 said that explaining what you intended to do with the money was very important to inspiring them to give even more money. So this goes back to those specifics, and it reminds me of a client I was just, uh, just with uh, this week in uh, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, uh, where obviously, you know, like most charities, they need more money, and they were so focused on their budget and so focused on what they needed the, the money for, they weren't really focused on what the value added was uh, for uh, their donors. And this particular charity provides services to the neediest of the needy, those uh, who are trying to stay in their homes, older women particularly, uh, who need repairs on their homes and absolutely cannot fix the roof, cannot fix the, the, the front porch to stay uh, in a healthy home. And what they do is they come in and provide that kind of service. And so we started looking at what would it take to sponsor a home? How close can they provide that value? What does it cost to support keeping uh, an older person in their home, which of course adds to their quality of life. So it's that kind of thinking that we all need to be putting into uh, all of our fundraising is how close can we get the service to help people understand that their money really does make a difference. Well, my uh, guest in uh, page two today uh, is going to be Bruce Birch. Uh, he is an expert in cause-related marketing. So as we wrap up page one here, I've got a couple cause-related marketing links over in the radio links. This is to honor Mr. Birch and also uh, to get him to start thinking about uh, some of these uh, links that I have over there. The World Food Program just launched uh, the World Hunger Relief Campaign with Pizza Hut. Uh, where they're encouraging uh, those who come to Pizza Hut to make a donation, and those donations are going uh, to be matched to help feed people around the world. So you've got that link uh, over in the radio links at tedhartradio.com. Next up is uh, a little bit of an oops, I might say, uh, and that is uh, a, 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 a ESPN reported uh, that uh, the Cincinnati Bengals football player uh, – uh, Chad Ochochino uh, was working with Feed the Children uh, and uh, had a new cereal box uh, that, that was put out with this picture on it and really encouraging uh, donations to charity. However, the misprinted phone number on the cereal boxes uh, led uh, folks to um, uh, a phone sex business. So a big oops about cause-related marketing, not uh, a, a high point for cause-related marketing. So as we wrap up here on page one, we're going to get a chance to uh, uh, now uh, uh, speak with our page two expert. So let's get on to page two. <laughs> 
to have the opportunity to chat today with our page two guest expert, Bruce Birch. For over 30 years, Bruce has helped for-profit and nonprofit organizations develop win-win partnerships, which maximize the strategic marketing and fund development successes that they can have in working together. A nationalized, a nationally recognized cause-related marketing expert, he has designed some of the most successful campaigns on emergency preparedness in the country through a partnership between Pacific Gas and Electric and the American Red Cross, raising over a million dollars and garnering uh, over three million in earned media, resulting in an unprecedented one million people being uh, trained. And that's just one of the many things that Bruce has been able to do. Uh, uh, joining me here on the Nonprofit Coach on page two uh, is Bruce Birch. Bruce, you here with us? I certainly am, Ted. Great to be here. Hey, Bruce, great to have you here on the Nonprofit Coach. Of course, we're keenly interested in talking to you about marketing in general, cause-related marketing. And, of course, you've been referred to as a guerrilla marketer. So what does it mean to be a guerrilla marketer? Well, Ted, I was hoping to talk to you more today, but I just booked a flight to Nigeria because um, I heard it's the happiest place on earth. So happiest we'll place on short, earth. Right? I, I don't blame you, but maybe we can uh, get a few more moments with you and uh, find out what guerrilla marketing is all about. Well, it's an interesting term. Uh, I, I guess I don't necessarily use it as my lead pitch, if you will, but uh, when I think of guerrilla marketing, I'm thinking about anything that can cause attention in an appropriate way to get your audience to look at not only the mission of the cause marketing program, uh, but to broaden the, the impact of it. Let me give you an example. Uh, we were trying to, and you mentioned it before, with the PG&E sponsored Red Cross program in San Francisco Bay Area. But we had a problem out here that there were only 6% of the San Francisco Bay Area residents that were prepared for any kind of a major earthquake or major catastrophe, 6%. And yet everyone out here knows, because we have an earthquake probably once a year, minor, uh, of course, for the most part. And so we decided to create a shock and awe campaign. And one of the things that we did was we put a 60-foot uh, decal that we put up about 4 o'clock in the morning that ran the length of uh, Union Square right across the middle of it, which is one of the iconic squares in the United States in the middle of Union Square in San Francisco. And from a distance, it looked like the square had been split in two. It was a 10-foot wide crack. It was photorealistic. We had uh, police stanchions all the way around it. We had guards protecting it so people wouldn't fall into the crack. Um, and cameras took that shot uh, from the top of Macy's building down on Union Square, and that photograph went all over the world. And so that sort of surprise attack, if you will, that was to emphasize the need to prepare for an earthquake in the San Francisco Bay Area is a perfect example of what I mean by guerrilla marketing. Yeah, that 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 cer certainly gets people's attention and uh, and draws them uh, draws them into uh, the point there. And, and you were able to get so much attention that it not only raised money but also met the goal of of helping uh, make people more aware of of uh, uh, their needs for emergency, right? Well, it certainly did. And and we did a, a campaign called the the Cause Marketing Partnership was a three year partnership with Pacific Gas and Electric and to a smaller extent with Catholic Healthcare West and Wells Fargo who also participated in it. We raised $1.2 million from our partners and it funded the three-year campaign. 
the vast majority of that campaign, which really goes into one of my key, key issues around cause marketing, is the building of capacity in a partnership. Because had they just given us, let's say, $100,000 or $200,000, which of course would have been significant, but the Red Cross would not have been able to have staffed up to go after that enormous goal of trying to train one million people in the Bay Area. So what the partners did in that campaign, the for-profit partners, is that they focused on building the capacity of our team. We hired two full-time people who participated and ran the Prepare Bay Area operational side, whereas I directed the cause marketing and the, and the public media side. So that means that those people, because they were funded by the nonprofit or by the for-profits that were supporting that campaign, were able to go out and work with other volunteers. Of course, the Red Cross is 97% volunteers, which is amazing in itself. And the bottom line is that after three years, we went from 6% of Bay Areans prepared to 24% of all the people in the Bay Area had received some form of Red Cross life-saving training. They've prepared an emergency kit, and they made an emergency plan. So that is a huge undertaking, but it came because it was a true cause marketing partnership that was focused on building the capacity of the Red Cross. That's a that's an incredible success story. Now, uh, as, as you you know, here on the nonprofit coach, we're very uh, practical oriented in terms of what really works for charitable organizations. So, for all the charities that are listening to us today, all the the uh, the uh, charity experts or uh, uh, and and uh, uh, staff people, how do they approach cause related marketing? How do they make it part of of their fundraising, or should they? Well, they. The absolute answer to that is absolutely they should. I did a survey last year of 200 nonprofit executive directors in Northern California, and I found an amazing statistic, uh, and that was that only 16% of those people, 16% of nonprofits in Northern California from our survey had any form of corporate partnership. And yet, as we all know, in the past couple of years, major gifts are down, individual gifts are down, Philanthropy is down. Foundation funding is down. The only area, according to Advertising Age and the International uh, Events Group, that is growing in marketing spend in the corporate world is cause marketing, the only area that is going up in marketing budget spend. And the thing that's important about that is that they're doing that because it works. People want all the statistics show 85% of the people that have been surveyed through Cone Incorporated want to support a product or a service that is donating to, to a cause and involved in a cause. So all the research, all the statistics, all the surveys are pointing that the, the public wants to have for-profit, non-profit partnerships. But I want to emphasize, Ted, that what most organizations need to do is to step back first, not rush into cause marketing and say, oh, this is going to be great, we're going to make a lot of money this way. They need to step back and do a serious assessment on what they have to look at their own value and their own assets. And a good example of that is, first of all, they probably have a terrific brand. They probably have great media relations. They might have a relationship with an advertising or PR agency that's, that's a pro bono. They might have volunteer opportunities that a corporation could come and partake of. They really need to assess what they have first and then they need to work on finding an appropriate partner, what I call finding the right brand fit. But cause marketing can work from the big campaigns 
all the way down to just a local hair salon tying in with St. Baldrick's Day, which is one of my very favorite campaigns. So it doesn't have to be a large campaign. You don't have to raise, you know, a million dollars. You can raise $50,000 and have a significant impact on a smaller nonprofit. But they've got to understand that it is a relationship. It is a marketing relationship. It's not a one-time event. It's not a sponsorship. And, of course, properly done, uh, this is a win-win because for the charity, it not only raises money, but it, it, you get an endorsement from uh, hopefully a company that, that's well-respected. Uh, but for the, the company, of course, it makes them feel like they're uh, or look like they're more committed to their community, more involved with their community. Of course, it enhances their brand if they're partnering with a solid charity. So properly done, it can be a win-win. But how do you start the discussion? How do you start the, the dialogue on such a thing? Well, uh, you start it by, again, figuring out what you have to bring to the table. Uh, the, one of the truths in cause marketing in any nonprofit, for-profit partnership is the gorilla that always sits in the room, and that's the one that brings the money. But if you have a true partnership, then you're going into that on equal footing, where the one that has the money realizes that they're going to be putting up the majority of the assets but they also need to realize, and this is the responsibility of the nonprofit, to realize what they bring to the table and to be proud of that, to step into that room and say, I'm bringing you something that can really work together. Uh, so the first thing you do is assess what you have, and the second thing is you explore partnerships that have a marketing need that you have. Uh, and let me give you an example of that. When we were putting together the Prepare Bay Area campaign, we wanted to do a gift catalog for uh, a holiday. We call it Give the Gift of Preparedness. Well, Wells Fargo Bank at the same time was putting out a campaign called Someday Today, meaning they were getting people to prepare for their future by saving for today. So our, ma our marketing message for the Red Cross was to prepare uh, your home and yourselves and your loved ones and your neighbors for an emergency. The Wells Fargo message was to prepare for your financial future today. It was both messages of prepare for today. So we called the campaign, obviously, Prepare Bay Area. So we went to Wells Fargo when we saw that campaign launched, and we saw that their marketing message was extremely aligned with the Red Cross message. So what I'm saying here is look at websites, look at messages in the newspaper, on the media, on the Internet. Look at organizations through searches that have a mission that is similar to what your mission is. So, for instance, Safeway uh, would be a phenomenal organization to work with if you're a food bank. So you look for people that are like you and then do as much research as possible about what they're already doing, who's in charge of that, and then work your way up to actually making that introduction. And does this work for small charities and large charities, or is there a, a certain level of, of either expertise or size that a charity really has to attain before they have any chance of including this in their fundraising mix? Uh, Ted, it's an excellent question, and I'm doing a, a series right now for examiner.com called Profiles in Partnership, which can be found on my blog on my website that connects to the examiner. And I'm talking to large charities and small charities and large not-for-profits and small for-profits on that exact question. And the answer is yes. It can, the principles are the same. Uh, let me go back to St. Baldrick's because I just love the program. Every St. Patrick's Day, hair salons and barbershops all over the country are cutting people's hair completely off, and people are paying to have their hair cut off. 
And so it's such a fun thing because it's a, obviously it's very visual, so television stations love it. They show up and they show at Susan's hair salon people getting their hair cut off and paying to get their hair cut off, and all that money is going to St. Baldrick's, which to my understanding is the largest uh, donator of cancer research for children in the United States. And it's all coming through a small partnership between that salon, St. Baldrick's, and the local media. So it, it can be a hardware store, it can be a grocery store, it can be a clothing company. The, the issue is that it's a partnership. It's not a sponsorship of an event. It's a relationship. Yeah, and, and, and that's a very important aspect here is that it is relationship-driven, that it's not just the cash, it's not just the, the, the marketing potential, but it is actually a relationship because you are essentially sharing each other's brands. So there is sort of a higher level of relationship that's needed than just someone who cuts a check to you. Absolutely, and you mentioned before win-win, and, and uh, our, uh, our approach to cause marketing is what I'm calling glowing your business, and this is what affects, it's, it's not just a win-win, Ted, it's that everybody wins, and this is one of the things that gets lost in a lot of the cause marketing out there, is my whole definition of cause marketing is not just that it's strategic philanthropy or what's been called community investment, but it has to be an equal relationship be between both the nonprofit and the for-profit. But the real magic, the magic in cause marketing to me is, and what has been the underlying fundamental reason for the success we've had, is that it has to be, your campaign has to be focused on the greater good. It has to be focused on the homeless people that you find shelter for, the, the people that need food, the people that need shoes, the cancer research, whatever the issue is. When you take your cause marketing campaign and you focus it on the greater good that will happen and can only happen when you partner between a nonprofit and a for-profit, in my opinion, to any major impact, that's when it affects everybody because now your employees are excited about it your vendors are excited about it, your business partners are excited about it, your stockholders are excited about it, your donors are excited about it. So it's not just that, you know, that well-used term, win-win. To me, it's everybody wins. We've identified 12 different stakeholder areas that can benefit from a successful cause marketing program. And that's why we call it glowing your business because the glow comes from when you focus on the greater good. Well, and, and one of the things that can come beyond uh, just the dollars, of course, uh, are the opportunities for volunteers and people from the, the company to become more intimately involved with the charity as well. Most definitely. Uh, as part of this Profiles and uh, Partnership program that I'm doing, uh, uh, one of the – I've interviewed John Power, who's head of the San Francisco Volunteer Center, uh, Bobby Silton, who's head of GAP Foundation, and, and 23 others. And one of the points that come out in all of this is, well, two things. One is that the volunteerism is, is really, really important to both sides of the equation. It's important to the nonprofit because they get people that can come in and help them without having to pay them. And it's very important to the for-profit because they're putting people, for instance, GAP is a good example. GAP has their employees working with nonprofits, and they're working in leadership and coaching relationships that they may not be doing back in their own stores. They may not be leaders and coaches in a Gap store, but when they get put into these volunteer opportunities with a nonprofit, they're taking leadership positions. So they bring back that knowledge, that experience of being a leader back to Gap. 
and it runs all the way up to their senior executives. They have a program called the GAP Incorporated Leadership Institute, where they bring in about 50 different executive directors from around the country, and they put them through a very intensive training program where they're learning from the senior executives at GAP. Well, that is a phenomenal program because not only are the nonprofit executive directors getting first-class, top-of-the-line leadership training, but also the GAP executives are having this chance to really kind of show their stuff and feel good about the fact that they're using their business uh, acumen in helping nonprofits. There is a myriad of opportunities. I did want to bring up one point, though. There's a lot of pushback coming when you really get down into the, into the trenches on this from nonprofits saying, you know, you call me up on Thursday and you want to bring 50 people for a, you know, paint the Habitat of the Humanity House on Saturday program, and the nonprofit doesn't want to lose that relationship and turn that down, but sometimes they are just nowhere near equipped to take on a last-minute volunteer program like that. So I want to say to all the nonprofits and for-profits listening that when you want to do a volunteer program, set it up well in advance. Make sure that the nonprofit has a, a real valuable and viable opportunity for you. Otherwise, the thing can really, uh, can really break apart in the execution. Well, and part, and part of it, of course, goes back to the relationship is that if you're building a relationship, those things are less likely uh, to, uh, uh, to happen because, you know, you, you, again, there's more dialogue than someone who just, you know, kind of creates that idea on the last minute. Absolutely. And, you know, most cause marketing, from my experience, and I've been in it for quite a while, um, is that it starts transactionally. Um, a good example was that Timberland um, – and City Year formed a, a partnership several years ago. And uh, City Year, which is a program, wonderful program, where uh, youth go into the inner city and they work in mentoring and tutoring situations. They wanted to get some uh, good boots and clothing for their uh, program. So they went to Timberland and said, can you donate, I think it was 50 pairs of, sh of, of shoes or boots to the program. And Timberland said, sure, that's great. And then during the course of that first year, summer, the Timberland executives saw what was going on with City Year, and they got back together at the end of the first year and said, you know, uh, I really like your program. Is there something else we can do? And City Year said, well, you know, you guys have first-class clothing, and our, and our youth really liked it. How would you like to donate uniforms? And so Timberland goes back and develops a whole uniform for City Year. That relationship kept growing till the executive director of the of, of the of Timberland, or excuse me, of uh, City Year was put onto the uh, board or, or senior advisory committee of of Timberland, and the Timberland uh, president and CEO was put on the board of City Year. So the relationship started by sharing boots. I did the same thing with Levi and soccer balls in Special Olympics many years ago. So a lot of times these programs Ted start transactionally, but as they grow in depth and breadth. The relationship builds. If a cause marketing program is one year long, I don't really think it's that valuable. It needs to grow and build, and that's when both sides get the benefit. I just want to remind our, our listeners that uh, you can call into 347-324-3080. That number is available at tedhartradio.com to ask a question. If you're shy, you can also uh, email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. Uh, and, Bruce, we do have a, an email question uh, from Kathy in New York, and she's saying that she uh, 
uh, if I understand this correctly, that, that she feels a bit in a bind uh, between uh, calls for cause-related marketing uh, and uh, outright gifts. Uh, and uh, is she giving up money uh, if, uh, if she uh, starts uh, working on uh, uh, cause-related marketing? So where is the balance between corporate giving and, and cause-related marketing, I guess, is, is the, the essence of Kathy's question. Well, it's a good question, Kathy. And the, the bottom line is there's probably 10 to 100 times more dollars in a corporation's marketing department than there is in their philanthropy uh, giving. And so in <clears throat> of, of tight budgets, it's really important that you look at where the money is. So if you go to, well, granted, longer probably to maybe to develop a cause-marketing relationship because underlined it is a relationship, but there is so much more money uh, you look at American Express or Pepsi, they're spending in the tens of millions of dollars out of their marketing budgets. That is not coming out of their philanthropic budgets. That's where the money is. So I think it is the better place to go. I'm not a big believer in spending a lot of time going after corporate grants or even foundation grants. I mean, I know a lot of nonprofits live on those, but there is more money in corporate partnerships. Well, that's, uh, that, that's great news. You know, Bruce, when, when you brought up uh, – uh, uh, a little bit earlier, you you mentioned St. Baldrick's, and it, and it just it was it's sort of in the back of my mind. I I remember that uh, we had covered that here on the nonprofit coach once before. So you give me an opportunity to uh, remind all of our listeners that all of the shows, including this show, uh, after after we're finished here, are available by podcast, and you can go to tedhartradio.com and listen to any of our prior shows, and uh, there is a link for St. Baldrick's Shaves uh, in the March 15th show of this year. Uh, our expert that day was Mike Johnson, the president and CEO of HJC New Media, and you can find that at tedhartradio.com uh, in the previous shows and listen to the podcast, which also allows you to click on the iTunes link. Uh, and to add that to your iPod or iPhone. Uh, so just a, a little bit of a reminder there and an opportunity for people uh, to get more of Bruce. Uh, if, uh, if you missed the show today and you, or you want to send it to a friend, uh, we will be available on podcasts about 25 minutes after the show is done today. So reminder, you can call in at 347-324-3080. Bruce, I want to come back to a follow-up on Kathy's uh, question, and that is, how do you explain all of this to a board of directors that's never been involved with cause-related marketing before? Well, I think the first thing is you go to my website, <laughs> brucebirch.com, and there's a paper up there that's a free download um, called The Smarter Approach to Cause Marketing, and it will outline many of the different steps. Uh, SMARTER is an acronym, and it outlines the steps of strategic uh, partnerships and alignment and transparency and building relationships. Uh, so I think you need uh, to start with some basic information out there. Uh, the Cause Marketing Forum is a uh, sort of the industries at CauseMarketingForum.com is the industry's uh, online uh, kind of library, if you will, uh, and forum. Uh, but there's there's quite a bit of information out there. But specifically, I think you need to go armed with some case studies. If you go to, again, to my website, brucebirch.com, it's Birch, B-U-R-T-C-H, there are three or four case studies that will give you the kind of 
what, what we did, why we did it, what the results were, who the partnerships were, and some actual video and audio examples and, and, and uh, print and PDFs you can download. So I think when you go into a board of directors that may not be that acquainted with cause marketing, uh, you need to be armed with some ammunition that will show that it's strong. Having said that, many of the people, if you've got a good board, are going to be corporate people, and they're going to be business people. And so those men and women on your board are going to understand if you just put it in their context, that if you were going to their company or their law firm or their accounting firm and you were de developing a program that could work for them, that would make their employees excited, that could get their community relations and their brand and higher visibility and put it right on them and say, wouldn't you like an organization to work with you and your company to feel really good about yourself. And by the way, maybe you would sell more of your products and services this way. The research shows absolutely you will. And you put it in personal terms like that and then say, well, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to go out and find businesses that can benefit from working with us. Again, I want to say be proud of your brand and go out there and market it. Now, is there a conflict of interest to turn to your board of directors members and seek uh, cause-related marketing deals with them? Not even a little bit, but I'm not inferring that you go to them and ask them if they'd like to do it. But put it personally to them, saying, if a company or a nonprofit came to you, how would you feel about that? I'm just trying to get inside of their mindset. And they'd sit back and say, yeah, you know, I, I'd really like someone to come to me and propose something like this. So it's going to change their attitudes if they can see how it could work for themselves. You're not necessarily, and I'm going to come back to this, you're not necessarily asking them to do the cause marketing. But I will say, if you're on a board of directors and you are not providing funding or in-kind donations or contacts to people who can provide those things, I don't think you should be on their board. Our crack team here uh, at uh, the Nonprofit Coach has uploaded and added to the radio links the Smarter Approach to Cause Marketing uh, created by Bruce Burtz. So you can now download that PDF right there from the radio links at tedhartradio.com. Bruce, one of the concepts that, that I share with folks in, in my lectures uh, is, uh, and, and I do it a little bit for effect, but I, but I mean it, uh, and then I go on to explain it, is that uh, when people want to succeed online in particular, they need to stop fundraising and start inspiring action. But I go on to say something else that's related to your field of expertise, and I wanted to ask you to uh, respond to this, and that is I tell them while they're at it, stop marketing and start communicating. Can you sort of dissect that and tell me, am I right? Am I giving the right advice? How would you respond to my urging to, to charities that they stop marketing and start communicating? Uh, I would agree with that. I think that the term marketing is, uh, is, is a term that is not understood by a lot of people, and, and I won't even go into that. I'll go right to your point, and that is the fact that you can't – people give money to people. People give money to causes that they feel something about. The number one area of cause marketing motivation is around emotion. If you have an emotional tie, you've had a family member that's had uh, cancer, for instance, then you're far more inclined to donate to one of the pink campaigns that are out there. Uh, so I totally agree. When we, I was working with the Red Cross, 
uh, we had a uh, fire in Walnut Creek, and it caused about $50 million worth of damage in an apartment complex and put about 200 people, if I remember the numbers right, out of, out of their homes. And, of course, the Red Cross just swoops in and takes care of them, uh, which is wonderful about the organization. They're there in minutes. Uh, but what they did was they communicated the need of the people, and we developed a campaign through email and through uh, call-ins, uh, telephone calls, that said these people have been put out of their home, the Red Cross has the money to pay for them, but this could happen tomorrow night, and we need to have that fund re re replenished and, and filled back up so we're prepared for the next event. So it was talking about the emotion of these people losing their homes. It was communicating an appeal on a person-to-person. -person. So, you know, technically, Ted, you could call that marketing, but I totally agree. And I would say that what you're saying, if I may, is sales. Get the sales language out of your pitches and get the emotion right. into the pitches. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with you, and that is, that is uh, where I'm coming from when I share that, because my fear for a lot of uh, charity uh, executives is that they really actually don't even understand marketing. It feels like branding. Uh, it feels like wordsmithing. Uh, and what it ends up being is control over the message, as opposed to what you're looking at is very creative approaches to relationship building. Well, yes, I agree with that. But let me be a little blunt here, Ted. Get over it. I mean, the thing that I just don't understand is when you look at the only that 84% of the people in our survey did not have any corporate partnerships. What really struck me is that 16% of the people in that survey did not want to learn about them. So there is a bias that I'm seeing that there's something intrinsically wrong with working with a for-profit organization. Well, it's all business, and this is one of my mantras whether you're a nonprofit organization or you're a for-profit organization. The only difference legally is a 501c code. You're still in the business of business. One may be focused more on nonprofit services, and one may be focused on, on, on products, but you're still in business. So I think a lot of the people that are in the nonprofit world need to realize that they have a strong brand, that they have a strong organization and they can hold their own so that their brand is not take, get taken advantage of, that their people are not turned off by it, but to turn their backs because of some feeling that they shouldn't work for, for, with, with for-profit organization, I think it's basically naive. Well, I think it is as well, but it's, it's also not new, Bruce, and that's really what's kind of interesting, how many charities uh, have, have really not moved in this direction uh, and how a, a discussion like this can almost be viewed as what's new in fundraising uh, because you're the guy 34 years ago. 1976, a partnership between Marriott Corporation and March of Dimes. What happened? Well, I was, uh, I was about three at that time, Ted, but uh, seriously, I was the public affairs manager for Marriott Corporation, and I was, we were opening up a large entertainment complex in Santa Clara, California, and I was in charge of opening it from a promotion and PR standpoint. And Marriott had told me, well, what you should do, Bruce, is go around and, and give out free tickets to the amusement park and free hotel stays and free restaurant uh, chits and things like that to all the nonprofits in the greater Santa Clara Bay Area here, and I just stepped back at age 24 and I said, you know, that makes no sense to me at all. Why don't we find one nonprofit that really could use 
what we had, which was the opening of the largest family entertainment facility in the United States, not including the two Disney parks. And what could we give to them, and what could they give and share with us? And we interviewed about five different, or maybe about 20, excuse me, uh, nonprofit organizations, and we came up with a March of Dimes. And what they needed was that they wanted to raise more money for their wonderful programs. And it wasn't that Billy and Susie weren't collecting the money and then buying a bicycle. They weren't bringing it in by the, by the deadline. And being a smart business, the March of Dimes said, we need to get this money not only collected but in by a certain deadline. Great America was opening, Marriott's Great America. We needed to get 2 million people into that park the first year. So we put together a partnership with March of Dimes because we needed publicity that we didn't have money to pay for, and they needed to raise money with something exciting. And we built a partnership that over that next year raised $2.5 million. And this is 1976. This was way before there was a term cause marketing. It was 40% more money than March of Dimes had ever raised in their western 17 states, what they call Chapters West. But for Marriott, we spent less than $50,000, and that was almost entirely in our staff time. And we received several hundred thousand dollars. It was a 20-to-1 return on the free publicity and earned media that we received. So I stepped back from that, and I said, you know, there's something here (laughs) between these nonprofit for-profits. And so that's when I, and I've done that, and I went on to become the Director of Public Relations of the United States Olympic Committee when I left Marriott, and that's what I specialized in was building these partnerships. But they were partnerships based on the needs of both organizations. So again, whether it's the Olympic Committee or Marriott or the Red Cross, all the way down to, to your salon with St. Baldrick's, there is immense opportunity in this area. And, and yet again, it's considered sort of something new for a lot of charities, and 34 years later, Huffington Post considers you to be uh, really the founder and creator of these kinds of partnerships uh, between for-profits and non-profits. So really, really uh, interesting in terms of how it is, it is developed. Uh, and it's now, uh, if I'm correct, it's now fast approaching uh, about $2 billion in value uh, in 2010. Is that right? I think it's. I think the estimate uh, by IEG was 1.6 billion, but as I said, it's the only area that's going up. But I think right, one well, of the reasons. 1.6 billion last year, 2009. Uh, no, that was the estimate for this year. Oh, that's the estimate for this year. Okay. Well, well, well that's a significant uh, amount of money, and for most charities, uh, this is uh, this is something that's uh, relatively. Uh, new for them. Well, Bruce, you shared an awful lot of information uh, with us today, and I think and I hope uh, that uh, that you have uh, uh, put cause-related marketing much closer uh, in reach to charitable organizations who are really struggling with what is that message and, and how do they reach uh, uh, more uh, donors, more uh, uh, more dollars. Now, what, what's sort of your, your final wrap-up uh, message here for charities uh, who now get it, understand it, say, okay, this is the year, 2010, 2011, we're going to approach this. How do I do it now? Well, one thing I would like to ask of your, of your listeners is that we are doing a survey, a much larger survey than we did last year. This is going out to several thousand nonprofits and for-profits around the country. 
And if your listeners would send an email to Bruce at Bruce Birch, B-U-R-T-C-H, Bruce at BruceBirch.com, and say and give me their contact information, I will put them on that survey, which is going out in about two weeks. And the point of that survey is to really drill down into what the nonprofits need to know, what they need to learn. Uh, and that's uh, something I'd really like your participation in. But to wrap it up, I just want to say, Ted, cause marketing is not rocket science. It's taking what you have and finding someone that needs that and taking what they need that you have. And so it's an opportunity for small to very large organizations to jump on the bandwagon, which has been going on for a lot longer than I've been involved in it, and really help their organization with cause marketing. Terrific. And, Bruce, I hope that uh, you'll share the details with us of uh, that new survey, and we can uh, include that in the P2P fundraising newsletter, uh, which people can uh, register for at tedhartradio.com. Just click on P2P fundraising, and we can get that out. We currently have over 25,000 charities uh, who receive the, uh, the newsletter, uh, and, of course, the listeners here on the Nonprofit Coach. Bruce Birch, thank you so much for joining us here on The Nonprofit Coach, helping us understand a little bit about guerrilla marketing and, uh, more importantly, uh, how we can approach cause-related marketing and make it work for charities. Bruce, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Ted. I really appreciate the time. As always, back here, uh, we're now on page three for the nonprofit coach. And what comes up on, next, on uh, page three is what comes next. And what comes next is next week, uh, Tuesday, uh, we will be back here on the nonprofit coach. And I could not be happier uh, than to have the fine friends over at TechSoup Stock uh, joining us here on page two. Gail Samuelson Carpentier, uh, who is the Chief Business Development Officer for TechSoup Global. Uh, and Carolyn Fitton and Jane Zhuang uh, from TechSoup Canada will be here. And what they will be doing is sharing with you the step-by-step way that you can get donated software and services for your organization. You've probably always wondered and probably thought, well, you know, we're a fine organization, and if companies like Microsoft just knew how great we were, I'm sure that they would want to donate uh, software to update all of our computers or even companies helping you get hardware, and you're right. The thing is is that they don't want 1.5 million charities around the country contacting them, so what they do is they contract with the nonprofit organization TechSoup, uh, whose job it is to help worthy charities gain access to donated software and hardware technology. So learn all about that next week here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, you can, as always, uh, join us at tedhartradio.com. Uh, we have all the radio links uh, from the, the show today. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier today, you can also listen to all of the podcasts and the wonderful show that we had here today with Bruce Birch will be available to you at tedhartradio.com 
in about 25 minutes. Now, uh, this week I'm here in the office all week, so I'll be uh, preparing for the radio show, and I want to encourage you to continue to email me all of your ideas uh, for what should be on page one. You've probably wondered where all of that wonderful information that we have on page one comes from. Well, they come from all over the world, uh, and they come from suggestions of our listeners on those uh, articles, case studies, research, information, what's cutting edge and what's news uh, in the nonprofit sector. And we go through all that and determine what is the best information that we can provide to you here on the Nonprofit Coach my next trip is going to be uh, with a client visit. Next week, I'm going to be in Columbus, Ohio, uh, working with, uh, with clients there. So once again, over in the radio links, I want to just draw your attention uh, to the terrific opportunity provided to us here and the announcement that was made by Mark Sutton and the good folks at Artes Interactive uh, for you to be able to get a seminar invitation uh, for North Charlotte. Uh, on October 29th. So once again, wonderful to have you here on The Nonprofit Coach, and I'll be right back here in the nation's capital next week, Tuesday, here on The Nonprofit Coach. Thanks for joining us. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.